0: so this is today today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today you traveled through time to the present yes yeah I don't think you get how time travel works
1: it's like we're stuck you know like a like a needle on a
0: scratch record
1: I wake up every day right here right in Punxsutawney and it's always February second.
0: It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a Is thing it? where the same day keeps
1: happening. Time, 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 time. time, time. Slow down! What are you in a damn time loop or something?
0: Ah. Well, it's Groundhog Day again. And that must mean that I'm Professor Robert E. G. Black and I'm here with Tyler Boudreau from Wildcat Minute, here to discuss Groundhog Day. Again, still for me always. <laughs> Welcome.
2: Rise and shine campers. It's time. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the the radio peoples what they say. <laughs> I was trying to do a thing, didn't work.
0: Don't forget your booties, cause it's cold out there. It's, it's cold out there every day. day. What is this? Miami Beach? Not hardly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched this movie enough times that, that, that <laughs> I literally watched it once without audio because my friend hadn't seen it before and the splitter for the earbuds wasn't working. So I'm like, you listen, I'm good.
2: I don't know how on Twitter you are, but there are certain Twitter accounts that are basically just bots that will kind of tweet the lines of a movie like one at a time, you know, <laughs> most naturally done for star Wars yeah. or whatever. And so I was following the star Wars line by line bot. And when I was doing the phantom menace, I was like, every single line of this movie, I like, I know exactly how it is said by the actor. (laughs) I know like what the scene is, but eventually they ran out of Phantom Menace and they're on Attack of the Clones. And I'm like, either this movie is significantly worse because the lines make no sense out of context, (laughs) or I've just seen it way less. I think it's both. Yeah, probably both. But this movie, Groundhog Day, would definitely be a good one to just follow and and like see each line by line coming up on your Twitter feed. It would definitely be ingrained in my head, I think, too.
0: We're at minute 28 of Groundhog Day. It is the third iteration of February 2nd, and we are at the Tip Top Cafe. Oh,
2: I didn't know that was what it was called.
0: Yeah. And we start with, it's comedy, it's Harold Ramis, it's broad. This always bugged me. Rita has sat there. She has had some coffee. She has eaten a sticky bun. And now she asks what's going on with Phil?" It's a film trope that bugs me, like like conversations will continue. They start a conversation, cut to they're in the car, and it's like the next line of dialogue happens. I'm like, what did they do in between? Did they just get quiet?
2: (laughs) I know what you're talking about, but I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It can flow fine when you watch something enough times and you're just like, no, why?
2: Mostly because of that one episode of Cracked After Hours where they discussed (laughs) which movie tropes you would want to have as your superpower. And I agreed that that would be a great superpower. It
0: would be hilarious if your brain could i I feel like my brain wouldn't work though what what happens in the moment in between
2: unless you just teleport? I was recently visiting with a friend and we were playing a game where you have to ask questions and try to guess the movie that the other person's thinking about, okay, based on like very little yes or no question and very little information nice, but we were also at this like outdoor art sculpture place, and so we'd be walking around like looking at these sculptures talking about the sculptures, and then one of us would just say like is the man in the movie wearing a hat? (laughs) And then we just jump back and forth. And then every once in a while, we'd be like, wait, what are we talking about? But most of the time, like our brains were just like moving back and forth between them perfectly. And I think the human brain is really good at compartmentalizing like that. Or you're not as young as me, but maybe you've had like this sort of thing where you're texting someone and you're dming them on another app yes and you're having like two completely separate conversations yeah that's the other thing (laughs) like it's not that the movie yes it's a movie trope but it's not not a thing that people do (laughs) true conversations can work this way
0: i just feel like rita should be so pissed off (laughs) that she shouldn't have been willing to be like fine i'll sit here and drink a coffee and then we'll talk
2: maybe it was her prerogative maybe it was like you know what phil I do not need you to talk right now. I'm going right. to drink maybe, a cup of coffee. Maybe she was a so bun. angry. She's like, this is how I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to eat a <laughs> sticky bun. And then
0: we're going to talk. <laughs> like, don't even try to explain. Just shut up. Right.
2: And now they're done. I'm good with this now. <laughs> it, it's Rita. It's like what we were talking about in the ex machina of right? It's not about the guy who's doing the thing. It's about the woman who's controlling the pace of the conversation.
0: Yeah. And she says, cause Doris was here and says, um, more coffee, Hunt was how the last minute ended. And Rita says, no thanks, just the check, please. These sticky buns are just heaven. Perfect line. Yeah. And pretty well done. There are some lines in this movie that I think Annie McDowell doesn't quite sell. I think she really likes these sticky buns. <laughs> I believe it.
2: Regardless of whether she does or doesn't, you're doing the thing where you just say a nice thing to the food service person. <laughs> Right. Because she has got the slight Southern folksy accent. Yeah. And she's just a kind person who wants everyone to feel (laughs) slightly better about themselves except Phil for now.
0: Yeah. And Doris is
2: like, aren't they? But she's (laughs) leaning in and looking at Phil. I think Doris has a thing for Phil. Yeah. Either she's trying to remember where she's seen him before. Yeah. Or he's done something in the last 20 minutes (laughs) that's kind of out of pocket that she's trying to figure (laughs) out, like, what's this guy's deal? Or there's some sort of like, mental wave emitting out of phil's psychological phenomenon you can see his aura that is affecting her and she is like somehow perceiving so it makes sense Does rita say the sticky buns line elsewhere in the movie or is this the only iteration of it
0: i think this is the only time she mentions the sticky buns because next time he has that whole table
2: of food because this feels like one of those lines that gets repeated just because it sticks out in my brain so much, like it's so sticky in that way, much like the buns. Yeah. Um, but if she only says it once, then I'm like, wow, I've just seen this movie a lot then.
0: Yeah. it's Apparently, it is the only time in the movie. There is, I believe, a moment in one of the versions of the script where they had mentioned the sticky buns previously. In the script, this is actually this, not the original script. This is the second time we've been in the diner. He came in here yesterday. And I think they
2: mentioned the sticky buns there. But
0: no, in the movie, it's just this time. Yeah, you just remember it.
2: Yeah. I think one of the things I always like to say about Groundhog Day is it's one of the great nap movies. (laughs) And much like those movies that get shown on basic cable all the time, like Shawshank Redemption and Die Hard, there's something about a movie where you can just kind of pick up from anywhere and get what's going on. Yeah. And Groundhog Day, because of the iterative nature of the story is almost the perfect example of it of like, Oh, we're in the part where it's this day. It's the same premise, but this is what he's doing. Right. The premise never changes throughout the course of the movie. Yeah. But when you take a nap while you're watching a movie, there'd probably be a few scenes where it take a moment to figure it out, <laughs> but they
0: fall asleep and wake up. It's still going to make sense.
2: Yeah. So sometimes those lines that get said, you're like, I was half asleep when I heard it <laughs> half a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> so these they all start to meld together.
0: And it is after the aren't they that don't remember if we know which waiter it is that drops the tray. We do see him later.
2: Yeah. It's actually interesting because I rewound the three seconds of the tray dropping 500 times. I can't tell who did it. We see him later in the film. We yeah. see him drop the tray. Later on, and... there is definitely a shot of him dropping the tray. But in this scene... It's just something that happens in the background. Right.
0: It's off on the other side and we can't, yeah, we can't
2: see it. But the waitress's head is like perfectly blocking where it happens. It's like a perfectly framed shot in that way. (laughs) Even like leads her head slightly forward to like really block it.
0: And I don't think we'll get to time loop of the week yet, but I will say that a tray falling is like a classic time loop marker that they use in my time loop of the week this week. Repeaters. Oh,
2: Yeah, the sort of like, oh, there's something accidental that's going Uh to happen that is inevitable and must always happen. Yep. Right.
0: (laughs) Dr. Crusher's glass breaking and cause and effect. Oh, yeah. That's a good example.
2: I was was like, I couldn't. Even when you put it in a different place, it still breaks.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorites was in the Farscape time loop because the mask gets broken every time. And then finally, the last time he just breaks it on purpose.
2: Like he just got so tired of it.
0: So he smashes it.
2: I was thinking of the uh what's the name of the animated Marvel show with the Watcher? Oh, the What If? What If? Yeah, I was thinking of the What If with Doctor Strange, where mm-hmm. his girlfriend dies every time and <laughs> that can't be stopped. <laughs> but I didn't want to mention it because it was too sad.
0: That's okay. I I used that as the time loop of the week many episodes ago.
2: Okay, perfect. But like the idea that there's something you that can't be controlled, ca- mm-hmm. inertly chaotic. Yeah,
0: yeah. And usually they'll have something very specific like. Happy Death Day always starts with the clock tower going off and then her phone rings. So there's always sound cues that were back in that same moment. That makes it very
2: human too. Something breaks, something makes noise. You need a marker. And I like the acting out of everybody when the tray drops, especially you can see Nancy in the background turn all shocked and you're like, oh yeah. Especially in a movie like this where like all the side characters are kind of like always around. Uh-huh. It must have been fun when they were shooting the movie to have like all of the extras be kind of important.
0: Yeah. Especially the ones that are in the diner. Yeah. Like out at Gobbler's Knob, there's so many. It's just townspeople. But the ones that are in the diner get repeated at the banquet later. We don't see her now, but the woman with the long blue coat, I mentioned her last week, is in the diner later. She's also we've seen her at Gobbler's Knob, we've seen her walking. We saw her out in front of Cherry Street. There's a lot of repeats. And it it's good because it makes it feel more real. Yeah. Even if you aren't watching over and
2: over and paying attention to it. <laughs> and then we get the trailer line, like the hey, you want to understand what this movie's all about? <laughs> Bill Murray delivers. Wait, which line do you mean? Well, I, I maybe jumped ahead one thing because I'm pretty sure Rita says, So what's going on with you? or whatever. Oh, I thought you meant but to then... just put that anywhere, pal. And I'm like, he doesn't say that. Oh. <laughs> no. I, my brain skipped over that because I was trying to do the helpful thing and move us on.
0: No, that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, good save. And then, okay, now tell me why you're too sick to work and it better be good. And he says, Rita, I'm reliving the same day over and over, Groundhog Day today.
2: Phil was a regular guy <laughs> until one day. <laughs> See, that's literally how this trailer is. Yeah.
1: A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania.
2: Phil! Ned! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing!
1: But Phil's about to find out He's not just stuck in Puxatawney.
2: Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors?
1: Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... It's Groundhog Day! ...in Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Ned Ryerson? Bing! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Phil! What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. But now, we could do whatever we want. He's discovering the possibilities. Don't you worry about cholesterol? Why? And living life Mm. like there's no tomorrow. Phil Connors! Ned! Because There isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. But to get what his heart wants most What are you looking for, Phil? A date for the weekend? means living this day over again (laughs) till he gets it right. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. (laughs) What a waste of time. I study 19th century French poetry. La fille qui gémère. You speak French? Oui. Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. To the Groundhog. I always drink to world peace. Well, what should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. be okay yes life has a funny way of repeating itself what did you do today oh same old same old
0: the trailer for this movie is such the stereotype for a comedy trailer
2: well yeah especially for like older movies like that where it's like oh it's it's gonna be the silly voice there's going to be like the silly music cues or silly sound effects. Yep. I love it. I love it so much. The alarm
0: clock buzzer <laughs> in that trailer and repeats. She says, okay, I'm waiting for the punchline. She's a great response. <laughs> and he says, no, really, this is the third time, which I would point out is technically inaccurate. This is the third Groundhog Day. It's not the third reliving of it.
2: This The second time he's repeating it, it's the third time.
0: But it does get problematic if you think of, I talked about this scene that got cut a couple episodes ago where he trashed his room and that was the whole day. <laughs> and then, so this would have been the fourth Groundhog Day and it would be the third time reliving it. But either way, his line makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think it's just like, you know the 1600s where the 17th century. Like yeah. it all equals out. It's like this is the
0: third time. That's a complete sentence, whether it modifies exactly in the correct direction,
2: whatever. I take more umbrage with the idea that he says it's like yesterday never happened. Right. And I think that like line today is more happened. logically confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause then it's
0: yesterday for him, which isn't what he's trying to explain to her. So yeah, it's the wrong yeah. choice
2: of phrasing. It's like tomorrow never happened. I guess that's true. It's like, Tomorrow Never Dies. The James Bond. <laughs> Wrong <movie>. franchise. <laughs> it's like Tomorrow Never Knows, the George Harrison song. It's like
0: yesterday never happened. And she's like, I am racking my brain, but I can't even begin to imagine why you make up something like this. I am not making it up. I am asking you for help. <laughs>
2: yeah, good line reads out of both of them. This is a yeah. And an an engaging bit of tete à tete.
0: Now the third revision of the script. Goes really hard on this because, and after she says, What do you want me to do? He says, The truth, I'd like you to spend the next 24 hours with me and don't leave my side for a second. She says, I see. You know, Phil, you can charm all the little PAs at the station, all the secretaries, and even some of the weekend anchors, but not me. Not in a thousand years. He says, Wait a second. She says, Not if I was dying and your breath was the only cure, not if having your child was the only way to preserve the human race. Just get it out of your head because it's not going to happen. And he says so much for the truth, (laughs) which is a lot. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't do that part.
2: I mean, the way that Rita speaks is like folksy and exaggerated. Yeah. So I think like the allotness of like what she's saying probably would have worked in context. Yeah. But I agree with the changes that they made in the sense that like, this is more like the time where we're just establishing the problem yeah. and how she's reacting to the problem, and we don't need to add the whole like romantic tension theme. Right. We don't need to be told it's a romantic comedy. Yeah. I've argued many times it's
0: not a romantic comedy. It just pretends to be one. But also, if you tell us outright, oh, I wouldn't be with you in a thousand years, then we know Oh, so a thousand years later, she's going to be with him. There's the end
2: of the movie. That's the other trope from that episode of Cracked After Hours that we were talking about is when someone denies somewhat something vehemently like, no, I'm never going to do that. It's never going to happen. Jump cut to them doing it. It's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Like, well, now we know what's going to happen. She just said it's not going to.
2: In the actual version, I like his line. I don't know. You're a producer. Do something. Yeah, go I, with something. I wish he would. Great. My brain wishes, he said, I don't know, you're a producer, produce something. <laughs> like, I don't know. My brain thinks that that's what should be said, right? Like, you're a refrigerator, refrigerate something. Like, <laughs> that sort of vocal chiasmus could work in that sort of sense, but I get it.
0: Yeah, and it it is... I mean, this is beyond what she can do,
2: obviously. <laughs> but in this moment, he's just looking for help. And she's the producer. Yeah. She's supposed to fix the problems. She's the extra person there who's not the talent. She's not the technical person. She's just the producer who's there to help fix things if they go wrong. Right. To be the one accountable. And they have gone wrong. <laughs> to the station and to make this go.
0: And she answers him, you want my advice? I think you should get your head examined if you expect me to believe a stupid story like that, Phil. Yeah, of course. She only says Phil so we can get this joke, which they only use once in the movie. They in the original script, this happens over and over.
2: Once <laughs> more, James Bond for you. Sorry,
0: <laughs> as we get uh, Rick Deckard as Gus says Phil, like the Groundhog. Yeah, like like the Groundhog. Ground ground yeah. <laughs> like like ground
2: ground <laughs> Perfect line deliveries out of both of them. Yes, <laughs> Gus, especially because we only get it once. Phil's disgust at this line and having to say it is like the only time in the whole movie that someone comments that his name is the same as Bungstani Phil. Yep. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty tight. We like that. In the original screenplay, it happens a lot. (laughs)
0: Every time he says his name, someone would be like, Phil, like the Groundhog Phil. And in the later versions of the script, it's not just Gus that says something. It's like multiple people be like, watch out for your shadow. And someone would be like, Phil, like the Groundhog Phil. And they're like, everyone's saying stuff.
2: That seems like a great joke for, like, the guy he runs into in the hallway in the morning. Yeah. If he knew his name. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sort of, like, very iterative, very repetitive thing where, like, you know that that's what's going to be. Or, like, Ned saying something like, hey, Phil, this is the perfect gig for you. Or something like that. <laughs> um, I just did a pretty good Stephen Tobolowsky right there. Yeah. <laughs> The, my very slight affectation of the voice to sound like Stephen Tobolowsky, nailed it. It kind of worked. Very confident. <laughs> but Gus being a just a, a perfect loud man in a diner between him turning around and joining the conversation of the people behind him and him applauding the guy who dropped the tray, <laughs> it's just like the sort of person I cannot stand. <laughs> yeah.
0: And the minute cuts off in the middle of the next line. Look out for your shadow there, pal. Yeah. So more jokes at Phil's expense.
2: Yeah. Now I would be remiss if I did not bring up the musical Groundhog Day in our conversation here. Music and lyrics by Tim Minchin, a brilliant musical comedian. If you haven't listened to him, which most people in America haven't. (laughs) It's interesting because in kind of my listening to the soundtrack, because I don't have perfect memory of the musical. I only saw it once on stage. But in listening to the soundtrack, when we're on day three, he kind of just wakes up and goes through like a chaotic set of motions through the third day, which ends with him kind of saying, help me, help me. Can anybody help me? Yeah. And then that's when we get the next song stuck which is the sort of montage of him seeing the doctor. The doctors and stuff, right. And the, you know, the fake medicine doctors and the, you know, Scientologists. <laughs> A brilliant song in terms of like the harmonies and the way that it's sung and the way that it's all interwoven. Yeah. And just some of the rhyme schemes, who needs enemas with friends like these, <laughs> great joke. So it's just interesting to think that like, I'm sure this scene was recreated in the musical because there are just talking scenes where they're just kind of sitting in the diner talking the problem out. It doesn't seem to happen in the same place ah, where he's yeah. kind of having this breakdown with Rita here. It gets reordered, which I think is fine because I like how the musical like runs through day three to get us to him seeing the doctors. And then that ends and it goes straight to him in the bar. That goes to Gus and Ralph because alcohol. Yeah. You know? With Gus and Ralph. And just, I don't know, for some reason in the movie, when they're talking about, like, imagine if you woke up every day and everything was the same and nothing you did, everything you it. did mattered. And then Gus just goes like, yep, that about sums it up for me. Yeah. For some reason, I'd like that line doesn't hit in the movie, in the musical, like in the stage version, like it's perfect. It is like it is really huh. pronounced like it is really well shown that like, oh, the, these Gus and Ralph guys are funny characters that aren't just like caricatures of like drunk Pennsylvanians. Like yeah. they kind of get that sympathy, but then they're also silly and funny in their song. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason that line doesn't hit as well in the movie. I don't know what your thoughts on the matter are.
0: I mean, well, I haven't seen the musical. I've only listened to it. I like that line. The like, sounds about right to me.
2: It just seems undersold. in I'd the movie. To... Like it's a really good joke. Yeah. Especially like if you've, ever like gone through that scenario in your life where you're like, yep, every day feels the same. Like it feels good to reference that like Phil's like weird fantasy phenomenon is not a fantasy for everyone.
0: Right. No, I think that might also come down to if it reads like that for you, it might come down to the way Harold Ramus directs is he likes a joke that is really obvious. The subtle jokes sometimes get a little, they just kind of go by. And if you, yeah, if it doesn't hit right, it doesn't, it's not going to feel the same.
2: Yeah. Maybe if there was like a a sound effect and like, What would you do if you were stuck
1: in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing that you did mattered? That sums it up for me.
2: Pee Wee Herman was dancing on the bar. I would have thought it was funnier. Yeah.
0: Or like a weird reaction face just from Phil to just be like, "What? What are you even talking about?" Because then we're like, "No, that that makes sense. What that guy just said. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's life. <laughs> he knows stuff Phil doesn't know." And then the other question I had: so that when they're sitting in the diner behind Phil, there's all the like the kitschy diner mem- memorabilia. The plates. And there's also yeah. two clocks in the background. Are clocks as strong a motif in the movie as one might guess if you were like? Being a set designer for this movie? Actually, no. Okay.
0: Even in the diner, it's mostly plates. And then they have a couple of stickers from the new, the local newspaper, which is a real newspaper, Punk's tiny Spirit. So no, they just decorated this diner. They, they made this diner. Okay, It was an empty space that they set up for this. So just quick decoration.
2: I was just wondering, because I didn't get a chance to rewatch the whole movie, and particularly not to just look for clocks everywhere. I could see them.
0: <laughs> if there were clocks everywhere, I would... Have written a blog entry just yes, about that. That's I what know, I think because
2: I wrote a blog entry about dogs
0: <laughs> because there are dogs everywhere in this costume, especially in a dog barks. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> the piano teacher has a dog little thing over her mailbox in the Cherry Street Inn. There are dog pictures on the wall everywhere. There are dog. There's a dog lamp. There's dogs all over that place. It's like whoever decorated that space was like, we need dogs, <laughs> <laughs> and then here they needed plates. Yeah. So, pretty sure, no, there weren't that many clocks.
2: It's weird because this minute was both, like, very much, like, definitive Groundhog Day. Like, he says the trailer line. Uh You get the really distinctive line from Rita. Yep, You get the tray and the joke from Gus. Like, it's all very essential. But at the same time, it's not the most philosophical or, like, dreamy minute of the movie. It's more like, we're establishing premise here. Yep. And
0: we'll get into, like as you were talking about the musical, the stuff from Stuck comes up next minute where he actually finally goes to a doctor and he's hoping he's got something wrong with him.
2: And you get Harold Ramis appearing as a cameo, which is great. Yes. Yeah. I like this movie. I like the musical a little better. That's fair. It hits a little harder for me emotionally.
0: I will say this outright. There are two different bootleg versions of the stage musical on YouTube. I haven't gotten around to watching them yet. One of them, apparently they redubbed the video with the soundtrack to make the songs sound better Oh, but just during the songs i think just during the songs because a lot of the talking or whatever's in the soundtrack they put that audio okay. over the video
2: that's weird so but it sound better sure
0: but i haven't had a chance to watch either one to really just go through and see the whole thing i
2: need to yeah well it's not like there's much you can like spoil about it oh no but there are some like very effective Adjustments mostly to the characterization of Rita, and you know, giving her multiple oh, songs yeah. where you can really feel out her She's character more stuff going
0: on. I love playing Nancy. Is yeah, I love that song. Yeah, because it makes Nancy. You understand what she is as a character. And I read a review that misunderstood that song, which was hilarious. Where they thought the premise was it's the actress
2: playing Nancy. No, that that is the Talking joke about of the song. playing Nancy. That is what the I know, song but is. it's
0: also. I read it just as it's Nancy realizing that she's just who, what everyone expects her to be. And it plays like literally for her. Oh,
2: I read that song as a is fourth wall. Is but, it staged the other way? Well, okay. So one of the things in theater in general is like the, the first song when you get back from the intermission Yeah, is oftentimes like a throwaway. Okay. Like a, this is a song that's like, just going to like fill a little bit of time while some people are still getting back to their seats. All oh, right, right. And so there's this idea that like, if we throw our like sort of jokey song or a song that kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit, right. It doesn't really matter if you're there Okay. for some reason, the only one that's coming to mind, right now for like a musical that does this really well is the other tim minchin musical matilda, matilda yeah which the it's song the coming television back, one right yeah which is yeah all i, I know, know i learned from telly yeah which is literally just the father and the son saying it directly to the audience it's not in context yeah. for anything going on in the musical it's not
0: even part of the story it's just that
2: it's just straight to the audience so basically what happens in the groundhog day musical is like the stage lights up and it's like them in the middle of a scene where nancy would be on stage but she gets like a spotlight she walks out to the middle I could be remembering this wrong but this seems right okay and then she just like sings her song and then it like they, they like cut back out to phil waking up again
0: yeah see there's something you get from seeing it my problem with musicals a lot of time the worst thing is when i listen to a soundtrack i can't always tell some of the voices apart
2: yeah that's my problem with podcasts. For the longest
0: time i didn't realize how many characters were next to normal <laughs> and then i saw it live and i'm like Oh, I get it now. That's a mother and daughter. <laughs> like,
2: wow. Yeah. I think they're completely different ranges. I just couldn't tell. I like your interpretation of the song playing Nancy where it's about the character as much as about the actress. Yeah. I think they're both I think both are really strong.
0: Like I didn't realize at first that it was Ned singing What's the title of that song?
2: Um Night will come. Yeah, Night will come. Just abs- just an absolutely breathtaking moment. Of that musical And I'm too. like, I
0: love that song and I can picture it. And then I heard it was Ned singing. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that makes it even more interesting.
2: Especially in the context of the, of the musical he shares with Phil about, you know, his wife being dead Ooh. and him being like a father on his own. And he's got this thing, which I don't know if it's clear, if you've only listened to the musical, but he's an insurance salesman yeah. and like, he has got a jingle for his insurance, which is like you gotta love life, you gotta love life, you gotta love life insurance, ah. so that when the end of the song that will come, with that, and he sings, yeah. you gotta love life, you gotta love life, you gotta love life, and it just ends, it's leaving you hanging on purpose, huh. because like that's his jingle.
0: Yeah. I didn't realize this as Tyler was talking. He's talking about how the song leaves you hanging. It's even more so if you know the jingle, which isn't on the soundtrack because you gotta love life, you gotta love life, you gotta love life, insurance, and then the song, the line right before the incomplete jingle is, as for that, the rest is just a test of your endurance. So he's setting up a rhyme that will not be finished, because endurance rhymes with insurance, and that is clever and brilliant, like lyrics-wise, but then the performance of it, because I did end up finally watching the bootleg after recording this, the performance of it is even sadder. Because it just keep in mind the jingle.
2: Death will come to everyone. You gotta love life, you gotta love life, you gotta love life insurance.
0: And then there's this. As for that,
1: the rest is just a test of your endurance. You gotta love life. You gotta love life. You gotta love
2: life. So, there are master strokes in that musical, which I think are worth you catching up on. Yeah. Absolutely. Particularly that moment, which is, I think, if I'm remembering right, also intercut with Phil trying to save the homeless man's life. life. Right. Exactly.
0: Most of life is just junk, right? It's it's filler. Mm. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to.
1: Hmm. I don't know.
0: I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Remember, think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone. Lost forever. But not today.
1: That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect day. I couldn't plan a day like this. Ah! Well you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. Time. The last revision is what counts, apparently.
0: Time. What if we found Time. them all? All the perfect things in this Time. one town, Time. in this one day, we could collect them. When we are talking about Time loop of the Week, you
2: mentioned another musical. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do this thing where I come off as a much more musical-fronted person <laughs> than I actually am. <laughs> The reality of it is I'm really obsessed with like four or five musicals that I happen to have seen and really enjoyed. That's fair. But there are people in there who like musicals as their personality, and they know all sorts of musicals. Yeah. That ain't me. (laughs) Like, if I see it, there's a good chance I'll become obsessed with it. I recently saw a company before it recently closed, I think, and became obsessed with it. It's really great. I know all the songs really well now. Yeah. One of the perks of having gotten to see Groundhog Day was I became obsessed with it. Nice. And there's another musical that I've seen in the last couple of years. Definitely great. And definitely an interesting thing to talk about for a time loop. And that is Hades Town. And I've seen this one. It was just in LA a few months ago. Wonderful. You know, it was funny. Was this, I was also thinking about if Hades, the video game would have counted. But that doesn't count as a time loop so much as a like recurring loop. But it doesn't. Loop time. It's just a my uh idea of what makes a time loop a time loop is very open. <laughs> but I was kind of hoping I would show up and you'd be like Hades Town. I thought we were gonna do Hades the video game and then we'd have a fun like back and forth. <laughs> I
0: haven't i'm <laughs> not a familiar like... with Hades the video game, so no. I am familiar with Hades Town. I actually talked about it a bit on Annihilation Minute and then I got to see it this year. Wonderful.
2: Well, I recommend Hades, but I I really would say it's it's just a roguelike where it's not even a time loop. It's just a game that you have to do the same, like, dungeon crawling over and over again. Uh, but it doesn't repeat time. It's just, it's the same task, and you have to get better and better and better at doing the same thing. Yeah,
0: video game as time loop, yeah.
2: Similar to a Groundhog Day scenario, but not time-based. Anyway, town it's a really wonderful musical about Orpheus and Eurydice, yep. and the story about the rape of Persephone. Or the capture of Persephone by Hades, depending on your mythological interpretation of the story, or how strongly you like to use words. Yeah, And it blends those two stories together. And in terms of the loop, which I think is the important thing for us to talk about here, it's a Greek myth. It's a Greek tragedy, as Hermes in the play will tell you. We go into it. We know what almost everyone, unless you're a child who, for some reason, doesn't know the Orpheus story, is going to go into this going, okay, it's Orpheus. You know, he goes to the underworld. He has to walk out and he can't turn around. And then at the last second he turns around, he loses Eurydice and it's going to be sad. And, (laughs) you know, the musical pulls it off because it's incredibly sad when it happens. Yes, it is. Much like me watching West Side Story and knowing that Tony's going to get shot. What? It's still... (laughs) It's still when Maria comes around the corner with her bag, like ready to go, and he gets shot anyway, it's like still very moving. And I think that's one of these beautiful things people forget sometimes too, right? These things that are based on ancient plays, ancient tragedies. I've said I'm a Latin teacher. I studied classics in college, right? right? The ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans also knew the plots when they were watching their Greek tragedies. They also knew what was going to happen. It's not about it being a surprise, it's about it being a well-told story, yeah. and that's what Town does so well. And there have been many operas and stuff over the years that have told the same story. For some reason in high school, I watched the French Orpheus film, which is directed... Oh, I talked about
0: that several
2: episodes ago. Yeah. Who directed it? That was uh, Cocteau. Yeah, Cocteau. I remember liking his Beauty and the Beast a little better. Mm. The Orpheus was a little too weird, but I watched it when I was like 16.
0: His camera tricks in Orpheus are awesome though
2: yeah I remember like the stuff with the gloves and the mirrors yeah, yeah. but anyway the loop in Hades town is basically they get to the end of the story and Hermes who's kind of your like fourth wall breaking narrator is saying like it's a sad song it's a sad tale it's a tragedy but then we get kind of this reset where they kind of set the stage again and we're redoing the beginning of the musical where you know Orpheus is there cleaning up the shop. And then a young girl named Eurydice kind of steps in, asks if anyone has a light. And so she can, I don't, did she smoke or did she just need like a a match for something? I don't even remember. Is it a candle?
0: I don't remember if she was smoking or if it was a candle on the table.
2: Yeah. And then there's, it's kind of, it kind of resets. Yeah. And the overall theme of Hades Town that comes out in this moment, Hermes, says repetitively about orpheus throughout he had the power to make you see what the world could be in spite of the way that it is and there's this idea that comes out at the end yes perfect (laughs) um robert is holding up a piece of memorabilia that says
0: the world we dream about and the one we live in now
2: yeah which just being about hope and also Hadestown obviously has a beautiful message to say about the dangers of capitalism and, yep. you know, collective organizing and just having a hopeful outlook about how shitty the world is instead of having a doomer outlook about it, right? Yeah. Because we're not going to, right? Defeatism is not going to make progress.
0: Well, it's like that Hermes line from the end you were, you said at the
2: beginning of it, where you're saying it's a sad song. And then he says, but we tell it anyway. But we tell it anyway, right? Because to know how it ends and still tell it, hoping that it will be different. I don't remember exactly what he says, but something there about hope and perseverance and progress and change. And it just becomes this beautiful loop, which is kind of a fourth wall break in the sense that like... Yes, we're going to put on this play again because we have to keep putting on this play because that's what we do. We're actors. We do it once a day for every day, sometimes twice a day. That's not the message, though. The message is even though it's a sad story, one, it feels good to be sad when you're sharing that collective group in a theater. And it feels good to go through those motions because you get to enjoy the art of it. And it reflects that sense of life where, you know, sometimes we go through these hard moments, but we need to be able to learn how to go through them and still be hopeful instead of just expecting the worst possible outcome. Yeah. Because life is right. His history repeats itself. History loops like that. And life loops itself like that, too. Even if you aren't Phil Connors yourself and having a sort of psychological breakdown where you're repeating the same day over and over again. Yeah.
0: My time loop of the week is a little more literal, like time is repeating, but it is specifically used as a metaphor for addiction. It's three addicts who are in rehab and they get their day pass to go out and like, they have various relatives they want to go talk to to like try to make amends. And then the day repeats when it doesn't go very well. But the problem is they're addicts and sort of have been criminals because of that. So their impulse is to do bad things. Until a couple of them realize, no, we should be doing better things with this day we get. Like the first thing, the first thing they try to do is save someone's life, but then when that doesn't work, they go like on a crime spree, and one of them kind of has this psychological break where he just wants to do worse and worse things because like none of these people will know what I did; they're gonna forget, so I can do whatever I want.
2: Drive a car on the train tracks.
0: <laughs> he does worse than that. But the best thing about it this is a 2010 movie called Repeaters. The do i want to spoil it do i want to spoil it
2: i want to i'm going to yeah i don't think people are going to go out and watch for peters there's a twist
0: at the end of this movie because they're in rehab and they get woken up at 7 30 every morning anyway there's this point where two of them have now made their day better and they've made their amends with the people they needed to make amends with but the other guy because he's been doing all these bad things wakes up too quickly and gets out of the place and they go after him they don't realize it's now the next day. Mm. And he's going to try to kill them to like get revenge because they're trying to fuck with what he's doing. And then when he's like going after them, and he, I believe he has just shot the one other dude in the stomach, and then it starts snowing. And he just pauses and he's like, it doesn't snow today. And they all realize what just happened is that no, the time loop's over and you just fucked up because you have now killed people. You have now just shot one of us and it's going to go very badly for him. And it becomes a different kind of movie in that ending after the twist, but the twist worked so well in
2: the moment because yeah. the movie doesn't let you know. You see them wake up at 7.30 again in bed. That that actually does sound really effective, And except for Edge of Tomorrow, which kind of uses the ending of the looping to raise the stakes. Yeah. Right? It's not a twist, though. Right. I feel like-
0: This comes before the climax. It's like yeah. the
2: twist is the realization that what we do in this iteration is real. Yeah. And Which we're screwed. Definitely has to be an iteration after people understand the premise. Like yep. Groundhog Day definitely establishes the premise. And repeater's sounds like a good new version of the premise. Like we're doing this with yeah. a twist. I never saw Happy Death Day, so I don't know yeah. what they do with the ending, but it seems like it would probably be a straightforward like more like we got out of it. Yeah,
0: we got out of it. This one thing that really works in repeater's some people don't like this movie because it's drug addicts and criminals, and they're like, I don't like any of these people. I'm like, get over it. But because it's three people in the loop, they never have to convince anyone they're in a time loop.
2: That's the in- other interesting thing that you said. I was like, okay, so there's three people. Yeah. So something about like, oh, what if we got to the end and two people got out of the loop, but one person didn't. Because it's always like the one person who needs to figure out how to exactly. fix their life. The Connors loop, right, is inevitably you have to, you're a bad person, you need to do better. Right. So what if it was three people and right one of them figured it out or two of them figured it out right yeah the the, the idea that it could vary within that group is interesting. So repeater twenty ten and Hades Town. What I like about maybe both of those choices, the last thing I wanted to say about Hades Town is as we were just saying, most of the time these time loops take the effect of a comedy, yeah, like in the sense that it's the opposite of a tragedy, yeah. It's like you figure out your conflict at the end, the bad guys lose and the good guys win that definition of like the stakes have been resolved and we get to the happy ending. Yeah. Most time loop stories have that because it's the natural progression, right? And it wouldn't make sense for the time loop to end and everyone to die or everyone to lose, because that would be one against the point of the loop. Cause usually they loop as a way to get out of the bad ending. And two, it wouldn't be satisfying as a story. I don't know how repeaters ends in terms of like, which of those characters dies. You can save that for the spoilers. Yeah. But what I like about Town is it does present a time loop where the ending is tragic. Yeah. Like there's no way that it will have a happy ending. Right.
0: It's the telling of, of the story that's the loop, not the story itself. So it's like, yeah, we tell this because you'll get something good from it. Not that it's going to fix itself.
2: But the idea that we can have a time loop that is tragic and doesn't have a happy ending.
0: Now, what's funny, I don't know if you noticed I was kind of grinning at what you just said, because my last thing I was going to do before we exit this episode is remind people to maybe check out the first syllable on Fridays, where I'm putting together my own time loop story, and part of mine is that they don't get out of it. The characters are convinced that the loop ends, the world ends. It's over, because I'm going back to the whole theme of 12.01pm, which is a short film that came out right before Groundhog Day. It's one of the older time loop stories. And I want to treat it as more of... Uh, speak of these shows an existential sort of treatise on death is that no that you you have you know how long you're going to live and then you've got to figure out what to do with it that sounds wonderful but it's not a comedy (laughs) (laughs) will there be funny parts yes will there be tragic parts absolutely
2: i love a dramedy
0: (laughs) anything else on groundhog day or time loops i don't think
2: so then let the listeners know where they can find you find my high school musical minute podcast, which is called Wildcat Minute, on the internet. Search for the amateur nerds in your podcatcher of choice, and you will find myself, Tyler Boudreaux, and my sister Condra talking about High School Musical, and if you go back in the catalogs, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog and Fantastic Mr. Fox.
0: Thank you for listening. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. And you can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search An Existential Trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com/lemmingdrops Until next time First i play
1: the game by the rules from one to 10 then
2: You took me round again I think i have traveled through time What is
1: wrong in the end which never comes Or, which comes again and
2: again, lap, lap, laughing, like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is.
0: Man, are you hungry? I haven't
2: eaten since later this afternoon. Particles
0: unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep
1: at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Hmm. Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary. It's an old sound It's an old tale From way back when It's an old sound And that is how it ends That's how it goes Don't ask why Brother, don't ask how He could have come so close The song was written line. And that is how it goes. It's a sad song. It's a sad tale. It's a tragedy. It's a sad song. But we sing it anyway. Because here's the thing. To know how it ends and still begin to sing it again. As if it might turn out this time.
0: I learned that from a friend of mine.